0: Good morning, everybody. So as Karen said, today we are on our third um, part of our series, Family Matters or Family Matters, whichever way you want to think about it. We started off with Simon talking about vision. And last week, Matt followed with talk about the desire that we have to be a church that the unchurch love to be a part of. And uh, those talks are on the internet. So if you go onto our website, you can listen to them if you've missed them and they're well worth a listen. And I hope that if you have heard them, you found them interesting and relevant so far. If you're new with us, then I hope that it will help you to get to know what is at the core of this church and get to know kind of what kind of people we are and what we aspire to be because we're not there yet. And if you're not a Christian but are coming to find out a bit more about Christian faith, then I hope that this will at least give you a a bit better understanding of what we are standing for, what we believe, and what we think. And more importantly, I guess, what we do. I wonder what the impression people have when they hear the word church. First of all, I guess you picture a traditional kind of church building, because I kind of think most people tend to think of building... uh, The church as a building. But that's not church, is it? Maybe when you think of the word church or others think of the word church, you think of the words boring and irrelevant. Let's be honest, sometimes church can be boring and irrelevant. I have preached to sleeping people. And sometimes I must admit that I find it boring. And uh, not here, obviously, much. Um, but I have been to other churches, and it's quite a weird experience. I don't know if you go to other churches. You kind of get used to your own church, but you go to one on holiday, and you think, oh, this is weird. Anyway, um, so some people, sometimes we kind of go to a church, and it is weird. It's uh, uncomfortable, uh, a bit strange. It can be boring and not relevant to what's going on in my life. Have you ever had that kind of experience of being bored at church? A few nods. I'll see you later. Um, And irrelevant. And and we we work very hard at trying to be relevant to people's lives here. Some people have the uh, impression that church is just after your money. And um, we had that experience when we took over a club, and they just said, oh, how much is it going to cost now? As if we're going to put up all the money and just take, uh, take their money for, from them. So all these different impressions of church. I mean, if you, if you watch the television at all, um, it's always the vicar that's done the murder. Do, do you know what? I'm, it is, isn't it? If there's clergy involved, they are always the bad guys. You can never tr- 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 trust a clergyman. So we get these kind of impressions of church, sometimes from being there, sometimes from not being there, but kind of kind of prejudices, I suppose. But does our picture of church and our ch- a picture of church from being a part of church match up to what God has in mind and with what Jesus had in mind? Because the church was born because Jesus created it and it was born a little after Jesus resurrection and subsequent ascension into heaven. So what did it look like then? Have we drifted away from what it was intended to be? I think we have. If you look at church history, we've drifted considerably away from what it should be and what it was. And a picture is drawn of the early church in a book called Acts. It's one of the books of the New Testament. And it's it's kind of the acts of the, the followers of Jesus after he had gone back into heaven. And there's a lot in there about the setting up of churches. And it's seen as an ideal that we should be wise to emulate. If you look at the way the church was organized and not even organized, but how it was, how it lived. We would be wise to emulate it. Of course, they were different times, you would say. But anyway, we're going to have a little look at what it was like then. So I'm going to read to you from Acts chapter 2 starting at verse 2, and it's entitled The Fellowship of the Believers. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. God shows us what the church was intended to look like. Now, our 5C values, which are over here, not just triple C, as seen in the film, but the five C's here. Weren't just dreamt up. They were based on that little passage there. That picture of the early church. It was a community that was committed to God. But not just to God. They were committed to one another. And they communicated the love of God through their care for people. And they celebrated together. You know, the more you give, the more you receive. And that is, that is kind of the crux of this talk. It's about giving. And we, we just heard that lovely verse that talks about God loving us so much that he gave. And giving is an expression of love, isn't it? We've just had Valentine's Day. And people generally on Valentine's Day give flowers, give cards, because we see giving as an expression of love. So let's have a look at what's going on here in this church. The heading this gives is the fellowship of the believers. We use this word a lot in churches. Sometimes the word fellowship is used instead of church. I used to go to Grace Fellowship sometimes on holiday in Ireland, and it meant church. The words were kind of synonymous. So what does fellowship mean? I looked it up in the dictionary. Here are a few definitions. A friendly feeling that exists between people who have a shared interest or are doing something as a group. That's fellowship. A feeling of friendship that people have when they are talking or doing something together and sharing their experiences. Sharing their experiences. A group of people or an organization with the same purpose. Now, those things we could say are a church. We do have a common purpose. We should be sharing our experiences and there should be friendship in the church, shouldn't there? So what did this mean to the early church in Jerusalem and what did it cost? This fellowship. It says here they devoted themselves. Now, devotion is quite a strong word. It means they took this very serious. Have I said I was devoted to you, Karen. That would mean a very strong and passionate feeling. It would mean I would do things for you. I would give things for you. I would sacrifice for you. Is that what devotion is? These people devoted themselves to teaching, the apostles' teaching. This is a teaching about Jesus, who he was, what he did, and what he expects of his followers. So they were devoted to the teaching. They didn't just listen to it. And turn off. They were devoted to the teaching. To fellowship. To being together. With having that common purpose. To breaking bread. Now this can mean one of two things. This can mean like the communion that we share. Where we break bread and drink wine. And it kind of celebrates. That uh, union that Jesus. Did just before. He was crucified. This union. This eating together. this sharing together this. This sense that Jesus died for us. It's his body, it's his blood. And it could be breaking bread is just getting together for a meal, getting to know each other. And they devoted themselves to prayer as well. They took prayer seriously. So, how do we shape up in comparison? Do we sound like that church? Somebody's nodding their head. Woohoo! I think some of us feel actually we fall, fall quite far short of this ideal i don 't know about this devotion that we have. It also talks in there about if they awe and signs and wonders so everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs that were performed by the apostles. You know I wonder if we were a bit more. Devoted, there would be more wonders and signs. They were together. They had everything in common. Fellowship is not about turning up a few times a month and disappearing quickly afterwards. That is not the fellowship that is talked about in the church. It's not sitting next to somebody and saying, hello, how are you? And then going away. That is not fellowship. It's about being together, having things in common. These people, it says, had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give anyone who had need. They shared their lives. They gave themselves to each other. Just as Jesus had given himself for them, they gave themselves to each other. Now, this giving of oneself... Is very countercultural for us, especially if though, for those of us in this room who would call ourselves British. An Englishman's home is his castle. We don't let other people drawbridge up. But this is not the picture of the church here. They looked after each other. They gave to everyone who had need. They sold their property and their possessions. Do you know that is really sacrificial caring? This is real devotion, isn't it? To what Jesus calls the church. It's a big deal selling property, I would think. How many of you would think about if you knew that somebody was destitute or homeless, would you think, oh, I've got a holiday villa in Spain. I'll sell that. I'll help them out. We wouldn't do that, would we? Or I might sell my jewellery to give to somebody who needs to pay their gas bill. Would we? Really? We do actually give to something called storehouse. And in that way, we help. But not many of us actually sell stuff to give to storehouse. It's not, not many of us are sacrificial, I would say. I'm not. Maybe some of you are, and I apologise to you. They gave to everyone who had need. But you know, the more you give, the more you receive. You will know that in your relationships. You'll know that in your life generally. Isn't that true? That the more you give, the more you receive. They go on to say they met together every day because this fellowship meant something to them. Now, I was talking to someone a while ago about a fitness club they belonged to. It's called CrossFit, apparently. And, you know, they meet most days to exercise. And they met up socially. And it was operating as a church should. But God was replaced by health. And I found the talk very challenging. They met every day. And when they did the exercise, it wasn't like, you know, a normal thing. They help each other with their exercises. You couldn't exercise on your own. You need the others to help you to exercise and get stronger and fitter. And it, it was a picture of maybe what the church should be looking like. That we're actually devoted to each other, helping each other grow stronger in our faith. Caring about one another. Most people crave that sense of belonging, the need to be part of a family, a community. This fitness club was meeting the deep needs in these people. Each member gave it their best. Each member gave one another their best. They gave their money. They gave their time and their energy. They gave their love, support and friendship. The church should be the fellowship, the family that embraces and loves. The fitness club worked because everyone was devoted to it. For them, it meant getting up early before they went to work. And some of them were working in London. This meant getting up really early. Because it was important to them. Well, shouldn't the church be important to us? Because the more you give, the more you receive. And these people in the club received good health, They receive friendship and support. Surely, if we really believe the church is the hope of the world, then we would give it our priority. I don't want the church to be outdone by a fitness club. Do you? We should give it our all. I was just singing the hymn. Do you know what we just sang? We seek your kingdom first. We hunger and we thirst. We refuse to waste our lives for you're our joy and prize. We've sung it. How many of us really mean it? How many of us are wasting our lives on playing patience, watching the telly? Oh, it's okay to do that Sometimes. We also sang, you made us fall much more than this. Awake the kingdom seed in us. Fill us with the strength and love of Christ. We sang it. Easy to sing. Hard to do. I'm going to read to you something that Matthew Paris, who was a confirmed atheist, once wrote. The New Testament offers a picture of a God who doesn't sound at all vague to me. He sent his son to earth. He has distinct plans both for his son and for mankind. True? Yeah. He knows each of us personally and can communicate directly with us. We are capable of forming a direct relationship individually with him and are commanded to do so. We are told this can be done only through his son. And we are offered the prospect of eternal life and afterlife in happy, blissful, glorious circumstances. Friends... If I believe that or even a tenth of that, how could I care which version of the prayer book was being used? I would drop my job, sell my house, throw away my possessions, leave my acquaintances and set out into the world with a burning desire to know more. And when I'd found out more to act upon it and to tell others. Easy for him to say because he doesn't believe it. But he knows the gospel. And he thinks it's that important. He doesn't believe that stuff. But we are supposed to, aren't we? Next up. They had glad and sincere hearts. So we might think that if we actually live with this passion, this devotion, and getting involved and giving... That we'd get tired and jaded. But actually it says. They had glad and sincere hearts. It made them happy. This is not boring or irrelevant to them. It's not a chore or a duty. Or a habit. They are passionate. They all, all gave of their time and resources. Now. Now. So what happens then? So the church is very uh, strong in fellowship and devoted to themselves. So as a result, the people around them sought something in them. And it says they enjoyed their favor. They enjoyed the favor of all the people. They were seen and approved. And the result of that was that the church grew every day. People were added to the church. It was so attractive, this community that lived for one another and the environment and and the community around them. It grew every day. Because the more you give, the more you receive. Whenever you say to yourself, why doesn't the church do... Remember, you are the church. Why don't you do... It's clear that in this early church, everyone, everyone was involved. Everyone played their part. They were happy to give every gift that God had handed over to them. And it had a dramatic effect on them and their neighbors. Because the more you give, the more you receive. And there are things that we do. The night shelter, storehouse, refresh, meshy church, etc. That's us living out our aspirations for a church church. To be the church as God intended it to be. A giving community. With members of the church giving to people in need. Sharing with people and each other in the community. So that's the aspiration. And I guess the reason they did all this was because they were responding to Jesus giving himself to them. How do we fit into this family, the church? Are you on the edges of the church and just finding out? So that's, that's okay, that's fine. Take your time. We don't want anything from you, but we want something for you. But if you're a regular member of this church family, then it does involve giving, doesn't it? It involves regular serving. And yes, regular financial giving. A generous and sacrificial commitment. So how are we doing? How are you doing? I think if you've been coming here for a while and you're still feeling on the edge, it's because you're not putting enough into it. Because the more you give, the more you get. I'm going to read to you from a book of daily Bible readings. And um, I read this this week and it just seemed appropriate. Just give us something to think about. A little fella in a ghetto, was getting teased by an older boy. If God loves you, why doesn't he take care of you? Why doesn't God tell someone to bring you shoes and a warm coat and better food? The little lad thought for a moment before replying with tears welling up in his eyes. I guess he does tell somebody, but somebody forgets. Shane Claiborne did a survey on people's misconceptions of Jesus. He asked participants who claimed to be strong followers of Jesus, strong followers of Jesus, whether Jesus spent time with the poor. Nearly 80% said he did. Later in the survey, he sneaked in another question to those same people. Do they spend time with the poor? Less than 2% said they did. He concluded, I learned a powerful lesson. We can admire and worship Jesus without doing what he did. We can applaud what he preached and stood for without caring about the same things. We can adore his cross without taking up ours. I had come to see that the great tragedy in the church is not that rich Christians do not care about the poor, but that rich Christians do not know the poor. He goes on to say, many a church pastor knows about the 80-20 rule. Briefly stated, 20% of your congregation does 80% of the work. Now, we did a little survey lately. You don't know about this, but we did. Because we're organizing an event for all our team member volunteers. And there are over 110 of you, which is quite good. But the church is about 400 people, and that's include the children and young people. So I think we're doing better than the 80-20 rule. He goes on to say this. I shouldn't tell you this. He might be too charitable to say that 20% of the people cause 80% of the headaches as well. (laughs) So here is a direct invitation to be a positive member of the 20% club. We may lead busy lives with multiple demands on our time. So, all the more we need to be strategic and disciplined to prioritize what we do. What will that look like for you? So, that's my challenge for you today. What will that look like for you? Now, it may be that you are very involved, and if you are very involved, you're already giving financially, you're already serving. I don't want to give you a guilt trip, but it's those of you who are not doing any of this stuff, who are not giving of your time and your energy. On your seats, you will have, each of you will have one of these cards. And it takes up the themes from the little film at the beginning. Giving is not merely about money, but every gift that God has handed over to us. It could be love and friendship, wisdom, time, health. And on that side, it's got kind of suggestions of some of the sort of things that we do in this church... That could be an expression of you giving of yourself, giving friendship, giving of your time, giving regularly financially. And on the other side it's just got a little bit where you can put a contact detail, so your name, your email, and a telephone number if you if you want to, so that we can have a chat about where you could fit into this church, how you could devote yourself and give yourself. To this church. So I'm going to give you just a couple of minutes just to think about. Oh, don't, you don't need to circle what you think you want to do. You can if you want. But it was just like, where do you fit into this? Because if you want to be like the early church, everyone was a part of it. Everybody played their part. Not just 20%, 100%. You've got pens as well, so I want you to do that while we just... The band is going to come up in a minute. They come up now. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing, sitting down, the first verse and chorus. So you've got time to fill out your forms. And then somebody is going to come, the um, people are going to come with the baskets and are going to collect up the cards and the pens we're giving, but we're not giving pens, okay?